Okay. Hey everybody, welcome to church. Uh, we, have, we have a couple songs to start us off. Uh, they're kind of, uh, we have a traditional and not so traditional. And, uh, but one thing, we, we also have some candles down here at the front here. And if there's anybody that's, you know, whether family, friends, people that are in your heart, people that you want to light a candle for, there's these candles up here. You're welcome at any point to come on up. You can light a candle. Uh, this is for everybody here and in the lobby. And yeah, there we go. So. Uh, I'm just going to open prayer real fast. Thank you, God, that we can come here and praise you and uh, uh, focus on you. Amen. We uh, stand on up if you want. 
Good morning. Psalm 37 says, Once I was young and now I am old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken. It's a psalm that is filled with perspective of someone who looks over the whole of their life and you to see God intervening, breaking in, being active, being present, bringing redemption and healing and presence. But it takes that kind of perspective that we have our eyes on seeing what we'd call a God sighting, where God steps in and doesn't forsaken or abandon, where God is present and real and aware. So we pause on a weekly basis. It's called testimony time. And we ask that question, where have you seen God breaking in? Where have you seen God not abandoning, restoring hope, breathing life? Where have you seen God intervening? It could be in the small and it could be in the great. But it's an opportunity to remind us all of the God who is active and living and reigning and ruling and loving. So we pause and we say, remember, look over the last week. Did you encounter God? Did you see God's hand? And if so, we'd love to invite you to share the story. That there's a story there to be told to the rest of us to encourage us, to remind us. We, in, in our family, uh, my wife's parents both got COVID over the last couple of weeks. And my wife's mom was, had a stroke a year and a half ago and is wheelchair bound. So when you think about people who are susceptible and if they got COVID, it would not be good. But we have seen God sustain them and carry them and provide for them and heal them. And so I'm so grateful in that midst of that fear and uncertainty of seeing God's provision. So who's got a story? If so, step on up and I'll hand you the microphone. Or if you're on Zoom, you can just throw your name into the chat and we will throw your face on the screen. And here comes, here comes Ashley. He's got something to say. Thanks, Bo. It's a minor thing, but um, I haven't played soccer for about a year. I had uh, some surgery uh, fairly recently, and um, I was really nervous that when I played on Thursday, I would not only injure myself, but someone else and not be able to get out of bed the next day. But uh, neither happened. I had a great time. Um, I woke up, and my lungs still worked, and uh, I was a little bit creaky the next day. But, um, you know, God kept me safe and uh, uh, made it enjoyable, so. That is awesome. So, at, we, I don't, actually, what kind of soccer player are you that you're afraid you're going to injure somebody else? Remind yourself, you may not want to play soccer with this guy. <laughs> but we praise God for the ability to move, right? Oh, that's so good. Bonnie. Hi. Um, a friend of mine had a baby this week, and she came, the baby came like about a week early. And my friend shared that the baby was born on the same day that her brother had died a few years ago. And it just felt super meaningful for her. And even my friend's dad said, it's a joyful day now instead of just one of sorrow. Wow. Yeah, that is a story. All right, looks like Nikki is coming up to share a story. 
Good morning. So um, I work with uh, special education students um, and autistic students in middle school. And um, we had this boy come in and he hadn't been in school for two years. He'd been at home. Um, he would just, he's nonverbal, um, had a really hard time trusting us. And um, first things were just so tough for this boy. And um, he really, he was just, you could see him just so lost and frightened. And um, we've had him since October. <laughs> so um, this past week, he went into the gen ed um, physical education class for the first time. He's actually come out of our classroom and um, he sat in the corner in the hockey net. <laughs> but um, eventually, uh, the next day, we gave him a hockey stick, a foam hockey stick, and, he's, and I asked this other boy to join him, and he's playing hockey with this other boy in the class. And you know, the, some of the kids were like, hey, these kids are amazing. They're like, hey, um, you know, does he want to come over and play with us? And I said, no thanks, he's terrified. <laughs> but, um, you know, they were just so warm. And just seeing this boy who was on my son's basketball team playing hockey with this other child, my student, it was just God, <laughs> you know. So um, I was very grateful for that this week. <laughs> Nikki, thank you so much. That is beautiful. We have one oh. online. Okay. We'll give a minute to, to spotlight their face and unmute them. Can you all see me and hear me? Okay. So this week we were stepping into um, Mark and I into a meeting for one of our kids that has been a long time coming. And I was feeling really nervous about it. And as um, at, it was an online meeting. And so the person popped up on the other side and it was somebody that I knew, um, that I like, that I trust. And it was the crazy, you know, she was like, oh, kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, right? Like, I don't have to be the one to do this if you, right? You know me and that's the privacy and the whatever. And I was like, oh no, God knows me. And this makes everything so much better. So that was awesome. Thank you, Manya. God knows us and sees us. How beautiful. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing where you're seeing God. May we all be encouraged uh, by those stories. And so I know that Derek and the team are going to continue to lead us just to kind of remind us of the God who's living, active, good. And so we're going to worship. Thank you both. How about we stand up again? If you want.
church. Thank you. It's great. Good morning. I would like to welcome all of you here today, especially those who are here for the first time at Genesis. We welcome you with both arms and hope that the Holy Spirit is with you today. And I want to welcome all of my, all of my friends, my brothers and sisters from the Warming Center. God bless you guys, and I will see you tonight. Um, one of the things they asked me to do is to remind you that uh, because of precautionary measures, we would ask that you would keep your mask on if you're not drinking hot chocolate or coffee. But otherwise, um, please uh, keep your, your mask on. I want to give you an update of our warming center. Uh, first of all, I want to thank all the people who have been involved with the warming center, whatever you did. Whether you, you prayed for us, which we need that, uh, that you gave a monetary for the Warming Center, or you worked uh, during a day, you brought food in, whatever you did, uh, you joined us, and we really, um, we really appreciate that. Um, in Matthew, Jesus said that I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was homeless, and you took me in. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. And they said, well, Jesus, we don't remember any of that. And he said, whatever you do to the least of my brothers and sisters, you do to me. And that's what Genesis is all about. We uh, just finished our first week. We have two weeks uh, to go, so we've got one more week as far as a warming center is concerned. But I've got a couple things that um, I want to ask you that if you could participate. We still need people to volunteer for the uh, Saturday and Sunday uh, daytime. And we did that because typically it's um, Monday through f Friday and Saturday they're, they're out in the cold. So we said, let's, let's bring them in. So if you have... Uh, the heart, uh, the time uh, to volunteer for that. We have someone uh, in a narthex uh, by the boards there that you could um, that you could volunteer. And they did say on the list that I could talk about uh, something personal. So let me do that just for a second, if you allow me. Um, I did devotions last Tuesday, and to be perfectly honest with you, they have a book with wonderful devotions in it that you read to them. And I said, I'm not going to read the devotions. I'm going to talk to my brothers and sisters uh, what's in my heart. What's in my heart. And I did that, and about an hour afterwards, um, someone came up to me and said, Harvey, will you pray for me? And I did. And then I did something, <laughs> then I did something that I guess I wasn't supposed to do, but those who know Harvey 
uh, Harvey's a hugger. Uh, I never, I've never met a person yet that I didn't want to hug. But you're not supposed to hug when you got the virus and all that stuff and your mask on. But I said, stand up. And we hugged. And she cried. And I cried. So if you want to stick around and you want to hug with somebody with the mask on, yeah, let's, let's, um, let's do that. But we have uh, a 14 guests per night. It's not like it was back in the day when we had 100 of my brothers and sisters at nighttime. Now we're down to about 14 because of the, of the virus. So we would ask that you would pray for them. One other thing, we have to have at least seven more volunteers to help tear down everything that we put up for the homeless, the, uh, the place where they sleep, all the uh, things that we have out there. So if you would like to uh, come over on um, February 19th, we are going to tear down and you can see Allison. I, I use your name, Allison. <laughs> She's back by the boards there. Uh, Allison will take your name down, but we do need help. It's not that long, and we would appreciate if, if you could come and at least help us, um, help us with that uh, tearing down. So I just want to say thank you again. This, Carol and I have been doing this probably I don't know what, Carol, 25 years here at the church. And uh, the more we do it, the more I feel I'm blessed and that God is calling me to do this, that the Holy Spirit says, Harvey, <laughs> I don't care if you are going to be, uh, oh, a little hint, Harvey, I don't care if you are going to be 85 next Sunday. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> that uh, I'm, I'm not done with you yet, so when I think you can rest, um, I'll give you a signal. You'll be able to know what it is. So uh, God bless everybody. Now we're, we're in a thing that they call connection. And I say this every time. Uh, you're going to get up and they say, say hi to your person next to you. I don't want you to do that because it's probably your significant other. And I don't want you to start talking to your significant other. Go around the room. You've got, um, what, five, four or five minutes. Uh, and say hi to somebody you don't recognize. Well, it's hard to recognize with the mask on, I know, but don't just stand there and talk to your significant other. Walk around and say hi, particularly those who are here for the first time or my brothers and sisters that are in the sanctuary at the same time. Uh, God bless you, and each time I do this, I always brag about the fact that I get to see every one of you, your faces, your beautiful faces, and I could do this all the time because, like Deb here, <laughs> I could do this all the time. So get up, say hi to somebody, and then we'll continue the service after connection is over.
Good morning again. So I want to thank everybody who's continuing to give tithes and offerings in different ways. And for those of you uh, who are bringing that, you can drop that. If you bring that in person, you can drop it in the brown box in the back. But for those of you who created patterns of giving to the ministry and the work of God here, in doing that online, sending in that, we give thanks to God who provides for the good work that he's calling us all into. So thank you so much. May God continue to provide in your life, in your neighbor's lives, in our, in our community. So let me pray. Father, thank you for your provision, the hope that comes through knowing you. We pray that your good would expand. Pray that our hearts would align with yours, trusting in your goodness, being open-handed with your generosity, being filled with your hope. So we pray, may you be known more fully. May your love be more experienced. May this world be restored through the person of Jesus and your good. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we've been talking about curiosity. This is an aspect of being human. It's, it's one of the best parts of, a beautiful part of life, to be curious and to wonder We've talked about the freedom and God's invitation for us to be curious. We've talked about being curious with our own emotions as indicators of potentially deeper things that are going on in our life. We talked about being curious about God and the questions that are arriving and how to read the scriptures with curiosity in mind. And today, I want to talk about just being curious about your own personal story. Now, this can feel uh, very egocentric. It can feel like navel-gazing. Like, maybe our story isn't worth, isn't that too much attention upon myself. But I want to expand your reality that, that your life is a story. And it is telling one as well. That your life is meant to reveal deep meaning and to reveal God. When we read the stories of the Bible, it's the stories of people whose lives messed up they may be, filled with tragedy, all of them, filled with brokenness, all of them. But if we look at these stories, they reveal. And that revelation is not just because they're in the Bible, because our stories and our lives were meant to reveal, and meant to reveal God. And so I want to encourage you today to be curious about your story. Your life is a story and there is deeper meaning. We have little sense of how God has written our story to reveal himself and his own story. That is the end that we want to look at. That this work that you're going to be invited into is beneficial and it is good. Now when it comes to understanding our own story being curious about it, I'll call that reading your story. Now, your story is not written in a biography or an autobiography, unless some of you have done that. But we read our stories, we're curious about our stories by looking backwards, not forward. You've got to go back. 
And so we read our story. When it comes to the future and understanding our story, we can only see a little. Maybe a few future events that we know are coming. The normal patterns and practices then the rhythms of the day. We can see so little. But when we read backwards, we can see more clearly the meaning of our stories as we read what God has already written. I'm not one who has looked that looks back on a regular basis, but last week, it was two in the morning, I was woken up by a crying nine-month-old, eight-month-old, and I went to comfort him, took him into uh, his room to rock him in a chair and to hang out for a little bit, and all of a sudden, I remember a story, an event in my life, which is so uncommon. I'm not thinking about anything. Now, I think about conflicts I'm having with people. (laughs) That comes up. But this was not a conflict. This was a memory. I remembered a story that happened 25 years ago, of October of 1997. There was an event that was happening in Washington, D.C. There was an organization, a movement of men called Promise Keepers, It was big. They were filling up stadiums. There was the next Colorado's football coach who was gathering men in order to encourage them in their relationships with God, if they were married, in the relationships of their marriage, if they had kids, in the relationships of parenting, to encourage them as a worker and as a human and as our follower of Jesus, encourage them towards reconciliation, bringing up the big issues of the United States, filling stadiums with that. And I remember I went to one of those in St. Louis, Missouri, and I even remember that Nate and I, who were friends at that time, 26 years ago, 25 years ago, went together. And there, I heard this invitation for a million men to go to Washington, D.C. on October the 4th, 1997, and that we were going to lay on our faces before God in repentance. We were going to humble ourselves. So... uh, 25 years ago, I'd have been 24, 23 years old. I heard that invitation, and immediately I was like, I have to be there. I was like, no, whatever it was, and I remember this. I remember that part. I have to go. I need to be there. And so that October, I jumped on a bus in Rockford, Illinois, with a group of other men that I did not know at a church I did not attend, jumped on with them. We rode. I don't, I don't even remember anything about it. I remember getting on the bus. I remember going to Washington, D.C. I remember these moments of repentance that a million men were lying on their face before God and asking God, turning our attention, repenting for the things that we knew that weren't good, our lack of love for God, our lack of love for our neighbors, the lack of love that we have done to minority groups in our country, confessing and repenting of sins that have had generational longing and generational history in our country. A million people. And I remember doing it and being earnestly there but kind of by myself, but with a million other people. And then coming back, that's all I remember. And God reminded me of that story. And then I was, it, was, it felt like a vision, but yet I lived it. I was there. I felt the draw. I felt, the, I, felt like I was drawn to that. I had to be there. I would not miss that. 
And now, now I'm starting to be curious. One, why did I remember this story? And what was the passion underneath that? That was a part of me that somehow erupted and said, you have to be there. Now, this is where it begins to be curious about my own story and the meaning behind it. The story that God has already written. Now, as I try to ask questions about that passion and about that time, I did not know at that time that I would be raising two black sons currently. I didn't know that in my story. I didn't know that when I got married, we would not be able to have biological children. I didn't know that as a part of my story. I didn't know what transracial adoption entitled and and what it brought with it. Unknown to my story. But what God was showing me, what he revealed to me in that moment, was something that God was doing in me long before I thought that it was being birthed in me. He was starting to give meaning and calling and inviting into intentional action all by the sake of being reminded of a story. See, that's what being reminded of stories can do. You have already lived them, but most of them we've forgotten. We forget the details. I don't know what I ate on that trip, where I ate, where I slept, what we talked about on the ride. I don't remember any of the speakers' names and the content that they did. I remember repenting, meaning God getting my attention, laying on our face before God in earnest, saying, God, heal Heal this country. Heal this land. Forgive us of the sins that we have committed against one another. Forgive us for the hoarding that we have done. Forgive us for the way that we treat each other and we treat each other as someone to be frightened of, as an enemy. I remember that. What are the stories that God is bringing up in your mind to remember? Sometimes you don't want to. But other times they're ones that give great meaning. I want to invite you in. Our life not only reveals who we are, but it helps to reveal who God is. That's the beauty of our lives. Your life not only reveals who you are, but it reveals who God is. God is the author. God created you, birthed you. Your parents had some part to do with that, but very little. God shaped you in the womb and is the author of your life for when and where you were born to whom in the family there are other characters but God is the author and your life is a revelation and you are uniquely suited to reveal something about God to others your life is a revelation And that's what makes your story a bestseller. 
It's unique. And it reveals God. It reveals the very person of God. And so that's why I would say it's worth knowing. It's worth exploring. It's worth asking those kinds of questions. How does my life reveal that? What is the story that's being told? What is the revelation that I am uniquely set up to make? And to begin to be curious about the deeper meaning and the richer story that is being told in you and through you about the person of God. I pray that that idea captures a hold of you. And I pray in hope that if right now that feels too big and too grand, if the lies, if the lies of some other story that have been placed upon you that say your life is only a tragedy, your life is only misery, your life only tells bad news and reveals nothing but mistakes. I pray that the liar would be silenced who wants to undermine a more beautiful story that is being told and being reworked in you through the person of Jesus. I pray that it would be hope no matter where you find yourself and the stories that are at the center of your heart and mind right now, that there would be the hope that your life would be a beautiful revelation of God at work within it. Now, when you read the Bible and the stories within the Bible, it's much easier to look at those and to see what they reveal about God. Sometimes it's much easier to hear the stories of others around us. To see them, their interactions with them, and what those reveal about God. But for most of us, looking at our own stories, we cannot see it, we don't want to see it, and we quickly want to move on. If we look at the stories, you look at the stories, um, and I'm encouraged, if you don't know some of the stories of the Bible, just for the sake of saying, what does this reveal to us about the person of God? There's some beautiful stories. Read the stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. These, These early figures within the story of God of wanting to bring blessing to all of humanity. Look for those themes of tragedy and heartache But ask the questions, what do they reveal about God? What are the themes? Joseph was a person who was born into a family of 12 kids. Anybody have uh, six brothers and sisters? Anybody have five brothers and sisters? Raise your hands high. You have some big families. How about anybody have four brothers and sisters? Three. Two. Two. Who's the only child in here? (laughs) All those tell stories. A dynamic of mother and father. We could ask questions of who had a mother and father in the home? Who had only a mother? Who had only a father? Who was only who was raised not by your biological parents? These are stories that put us in there. Joseph was one of 12. 
And he had it beautiful. His father loved him. Loved. And he was the one of 12 and loved immensely. Now his other brothers, their world was torn apart with the birth of Joseph because their father loved Joseph more than them and showed it to everyone. And that was their story. Their brother Joseph also flaunted his dreams of how he would be a little bit better than them and that they would all bow down to him. So their world was disrupted and they hated their brother. And in a tragic moment, when they saw their brother coming, they schemed of an idea. They had a couple thoughts in their minds. We could kill him, just be done away with him. But then they had an idea, let's sell him. We'll tell our dad he's dead, but we'll sell him to some traitors. And so that's what they did. They took their brother and they sold him to a group of wandering traders. And he was sent off to Egypt as a slave. No longer the favorite son. No longer the cherished one. No longer the one with big dreams. Stripped. But yet when we read the story... And you read this story that is found in Genesis, you'll hear things like, and God was with him as he's in prison, as he's a slave to a person in Egypt. This story was written after it happened. This story was told by Joseph to others. He's the only one who witnessed those things of where he was and what it was like. But as he looked back, this is the perspective he had. I was in prison. I was stripped of everything. But God was with me. You can go on to this story. You can read about how, while he was a slave, the wife of his master tried to sexually seduce him. And he could have found comfort there. He could, have, he could have chosen a wrong way where his character was being challenged, and he could have chosen that for, for a little bit of comfort and a life that had been torn away. Many of us would say, oh, you're justified to have something good. You have nothing. So yeah, why don't you sleep with your master's wife who wants you? But with integrity, he says no. And then she accuses him of raping her, and he gets thrown into prison even deeper. It could be like the perspective of Joseph's life is this. Oh, sometimes the tragedy comes when, 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 when you're betrayed, when you, you do what's wrong by boasting in front of your brothers and they hate you so much they sell you off. But sometimes you're doing right. You have integrity. And all of a sudden now it sends you deeper into this pit of prison. But again, in the story, as Joseph is there, it says, and God was with him. And God begins to use his dreams again. You can read all these stories. The stories of Joseph interpreted dreams of two other people who found themselves in prison. And Joseph tells them the truth about their dreams. One of the dreams would end in tragedy. And one of the dreams would end in grace. And Joseph tells each truthfully. And eventually... Joseph gets brought before the highest person in Egypt and is able to interpret a dream that will bring restoration and salvation for many. 
And for the person who wrote this story, and as Joseph is telling it, they're looking backwards for telling us, what does this reveal about God? And in this story, it reveals that God was with him. Again and again in these places of tragedy, and of brokenness, of uncertainty, and of loss. And that God was in, was with him in these moments of opportunity and of risk. In the end, Joseph experiences this beautiful work of redemption with his brothers and his father, where they actually come to Egypt. And Joseph is restored to his father and to his brothers and provided for in a great famine. Joseph's father dies, and all the, 12, the other 11 brothers of Joseph think that he's going to kill them. Like, oh no, the one thing that probably kept them from killing us was our dad. And now he's gone, so he's going to kill us now. Here's the story playing out before him, and now it's going to go into the normal storylines of the stories that we all read, that what happens when tragedy comes, revenge is birthed up. But yet the revelation of God is not a God of revenge. It's a God of forgiveness, of redemption. In this beautiful act of Genesis chapter 50, this is in verse 18, it says this. Joseph's brothers came and they threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What does this reveal about God? God is in the work of wanting to sustain lives, to bring salvation to many. So he says, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. At the end of Joseph's life, the story jumps so quickly. Just a couple verses, it said, oh, Joseph was 110, and his life was coming to an end. Two verses filled that gap. But in verse 24, at the end of his life, it said, and Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out Uh, out of this land to the land he promised on an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. There's a story. There's a revelation that is being told here, one of God coming to a people's aid, one of destiny, one of calling, one of intentional living, one of preparation. And so we say, oh, this reveals things about God. So does your story. It reveals beautiful things about God. My life and your life is not random. It's not just being dictated by the circumstances around us. It is an intriguing tale. 
in our story, God shows us what he is up to and what he wants us to be about. We get greater clarity of this. When we study our story and understand our story, we can then join God as co-authors. That yes, God is writing this story, but he's inviting us to be with him. To say yes to it. To join God in co-authoring this. Are we moving toward the plot into which God has woven into us? Are we moving away from it? By studying our story, we have a better insight about the direction of our future. How did we get to where we are today? And where is God leading us tomorrow? That's what understanding your story is. I remember I heard the famous uh, the, uh, Detroit Tigers uh, commentator, Ernie Harwell. And I remember, I, I never listened to baseball. Never, I'm not from Michigan. I didn't watch Tigers baseball. Um, but I remember he had died. And I was listening on the radio about his life. And Ernie had this saying, I'm a turtle on a fence post. I didn't get here by myself. And I loved that statement. That is true of me, and that is true of you. To where you are today, you are a turtle on a fence post. How did you get there? And to understand that story, you have to look back at the cast and characters, plots, the marking events, the redemptions, the tragedies, to understand it. And when you understand it, you can begin to see the trajectory to which the life is taking of what it would be like to say yes, to co-author with God, to join with the beautiful story that God is sculpting and writing of you, to be able to say yes to it in the future. But that takes insight. I want to invite us into that. We reveal God more clearly when we are aware of our calling. Live intentionally and live with passion. This is how we co-author our story. And so, we want to invite you into that. One other reason that this is so important Telling our story is necessary and a blessing for others. We are encouraged to listen to the stories and tell ours to others because in it, we're telling the beautiful story of God and how ours fit into it. There's work to be done here. And with this idea, see, your story has power in your own life and it has power and meaning to bring to others. But you can't tell it if you don't know it. And you can't know it without owning your part in writing it. And sometimes we won't write it in the glorious story until we wrestle with God. We join with God, wrestling with this author who has already written long chapters of our life. So I want to invite you. 
They were wanting to know your story as a way of knowing the story that God has told and is telling. Stories don't give us answers, they give us perspective. A perspective about a wisdom of how we ought to conduct ourselves in life. And so, what are the stories that are standing front and center of your life right now? What are the stories right now that involve loss and uncertainty or great opportunity and risk? What are the stories that are right before you right now? Many of us find ourselves in them. I was, I was sharing a story, even of the stories that we go through a pandemic. And the stories of what is happening in that story and what are the uncertainties and the losses that people experienced? What are the things that have erupted within this season that you were unexpected, caught you by surprise? What are the stories that disrupted peace? One of them for me that I'm still finding myself in was the one of my mental health. And it was like two and a half years ago even before the pandemic erupted, I had a panic attack. My body began to almost revolt against me to where I thought I was dying, shaking and sweating and heartbeat beating as fast as it could, telling me something is wrong. Happened twice. I went to the ER both times, getting everything checked out, and they're like, there is nothing wrong with your body. My body is wanting to tell me something. There's a story that my body is holding. It was a story of brokenness where peace was disrupted. And I didn't like what that story was telling. I didn't, I didn't like that. I had a story that was all well. And a story of like, I'm well. And you just make it through, and we're, we're, we're mentally adaptable and strong and healthy and able to handle trauma and hardship and all of this. And it's like, oh, these stories are playing a role. And so with the help of a therapist, medication, where I went on some anti-anxiety things, because I continue to feel that brokenness within me i began to dig into those stories and what they were telling many of them had lies connected to them they had a, they had a different scenario i did a, a therapy method called emdr where you're looking at those traumas and trying to engage those i did it with two different therapists at the same time it's probably not supposed to do that but no, that's who i am and God was speaking into it, helping me, to, helping me to understand the story even more so. And then I felt like I was put back into a more stable spot. And it kind of went away, and I felt like myself. And I stopped going to the therapist. And then I told you a month ago, all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I have a panic attack. 
And, and, and you know, because I, I went off the medicine too. I was like, I don't think I need this. And you know what I did once I had that attack again? I started taking the medicine again. <laughs> so I'm in a story. Sometimes I don't like it. I, I, I don't like what, that, what I think that story tells about me. But what does it tell? My peace is broken. My shalom, where I thought was whole. That I'm in spots of uncertainty and loss. Yeah. Uh-huh. It tells that, doesn't it? But in the midst of it, God is also telling a story, too. Through you and through me and our brokenness. Of the hope of God being revealed through it. Through our weakness. Through our brokenness. So you might have similarities to my story. Or not. But each of our story tells a completely different portion. And each of us reveals something unique about God. Your story reveals about God. And it needs to be told. It's beautiful. And so, let's do the work. Let's be curious. It's a godly work. Because God has authored you. So, here's a couple things. What could this mean for us? So, one, I talked about this. We could just, you could just understand the stories of the Bible and the larger story that they're telling. You could just look at those stories. If you're like, oh yeah, I just would love to know the stories of the Bible to understand themes of what they're telling about God. And maybe even to look back at my own and ask those questions. That's a great thing that you could do. What are the larger stories? What are the stories of people in the Bible? What do they reveal about God? You can begin to reveal that. You begin to do that. The other thing is, is that you can begin to look at your own stories. I have a tool for this. I've done this. It's called developing a personal timeline. I've printed off a number of copies right there by that tripod on there. And we've got a PDF version for those of you on Zoom who are interested in this. This is just a tool for you to use your memory and say, what are those big moments of my life that have shaped me? Shaping moments. They're the big ones you can remember. They're positive and they are negative. They are stories of redemption and they are stories of tragedy. They're stories of loss, and they're stories of connection. But they're the stories that made you who you are, and they're the stories that are being unfolding, and in those stories, we begin to see themes and ideas, and begin to recount them. This is a tool that you can do, just sitting and just remembering, and asking certain questions, and involving others, so you can tell. You can tell certain stories, and you can say, what does this seem to be revealing? Your life has a story. Everyone here's lives would drop every one of us to our knees. But every one of our stories would move us as we saw the beautiful redemption of God who's at work in people, normal people, broken people like you and me. So you could develop this personal timeline. This has been huge for me. And I did this probably five years ago, and that Washington, D.C. story wasn't on it. But all of a sudden, God's reminding me of some stories that are adding some meaning, giving some direction for my future. 
Another thing is, so um, Ken Burt, uh, a member here, Ken doesn't know, but Ken um, takes people on these trips. They're called Story Weekend, where you take a weekend and you, and you hold up your story. Currently, it's just for men. It's a men's weekend, and Ken does these with a group of people. He's got a group of that, and so if you're interested in that, you can join Ken in that. So Ken Bird is somebody. You can grab me. I'll give you Ken's email. I can lead you to the organization who does that. Another organization that is called um, the Allender Center. Dan Allender has a tool called To Be Told. Lots of stuff I'm pulling from is there. And it helps you to mine your story. They offer story uh, weekends where you can go away to Seattle and, and do this. It's worth doing. Do not let money or time stop you from this. The majority of us are pulled into so many other stories. TV and television and all these stories that hold tension and drama in them, but we're not mining our own. We're getting that need met other places, and yet there's a beautiful, more compelling story being told, and it's you. So that's to be told. You can go to the Allender Center. You can look for that. Now, if you're like, okay, yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm not a man, and I'm not going to Seattle, so uh, what else? Well, we've got Kathy... Her name is Kathy Lorzell. Her and Dan Allender just wrote a book called Redeeming Heartache, How Past Suffering Reveals Our True Calling. Sounds like a good book and a good time, right? (laughs) It's a beautiful book, and it's true, and it's rich, and it's heavy, but she's coming to Genesis in June, on Saturday, June the 25th, because so much about who we are is about us identifying our calling so we can co-author the stories which God is moving through the person of Jesus, redemption in this world, and including you. She's coming on Saturday, June the 25th. I want to invite you, so mark it on your calendar right now. It's about understanding our stories and the heartache, redeeming heartache for the sake of understanding calling. So we're bringing her in for that sake, for that purpose. You could engage a therapist and begin to recount the stories in order to see what they're revealing. Some of the wounds are really deep. Some of the trauma is really big. Sometimes there is medication that's needed just to get us to a spot to where we can breathe and our body is interrupting, shaking, and locked into flight or fight. But I pray and hope that there would be good news today about a God who is involved in your life and in your story to reveal himself and his good in this world. There is good in your story, and it needs to be told, and it needs to be known by you, and it needs to be joined by you. May that be. So, Father, by your Holy Spirit, which is the counselor and the teacher, would, as we were just kind of using a lot of talk about curiosity, Holy Spirit, come and make us curious. This, is, this can be big and heavy and scary, but let your hope be caught with it. God, for those who are caught in the lie that the most important stories around them are the ones that the television holds, 
set them free. Whisper to them about the beauty of their story, about that you have authored them and loved them and are in them. Let it be. Would you give us people and therapists and helpers to help us on this journey? Friends, co-laborers, we can get good counsel that we can share the stories with and, and allow them to have voice to talk into them and to give us insight. We may not feel alone on this journey, but we'll be encouraged to be curious about what you've already written in us and around us. For your glory, God, may you be seen because you're beautiful and we see you're good and all these people here maybe more, that you would shine and illuminate all over this world and in every crack and corner of this world through your people. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So if you want to grab that one sheeter over there of how to write out a personal timeline of kind of mining the big pictures of your story that's up there by the tripod, uh, um, God bless you, and may we be curious. Thanks for joining us today.